0: I play as long as I go number one in the draft.
1: From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is tracking the
0: draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about, it's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Fariestad in the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys.
1: Here's your host,
0: Dean Millard.
1: Hey there, and welcome to episode 17 on season two of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN will be along very shortly. My name is Dean Millard, and it is great to have you on board where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. Uh, We're going to break from our usual look at the 2021 NHL draft as we are doing scouting tips and story time in Craig's Council. So Craig is going to join us in uh, just a few seconds. We're going to discuss a whole lot of things. He's got some hilarious stories, and he's got some good tips and some opinions on some players in the NHL draft and some college free agents and of course Craig joins us on the ultimate franchise fantasy sports hotline UFFS is the most realistic fantasy platform out there and you can become a scout we have a massive scouting program so you can be watching and uh, evaluating the same players that Craig Button and other NHL scouts do, and then make some money on the side when they are auctioned off or sold directly to UFHL franchises. It is next level. It's on the blockchain. These aren't just players; they're NFTs. We are in the zillica blockchain, the best in the business. So get in the game where you own the game. Become a scout. Apply to become a GM. There is an opening right now on a team that has Connor McDavid, so that's a bit of a draw. And uh, check it all out. Uh, You can find more information at UFFsports.com, on Twitter at UFFsports, or at UFHleague, among others. Uh, Get in the game where you own the game. All right. Without further ado, let's get to scouting tips and story time with Craig Button. The director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it, Craig Button. Well, Craig, I always look forward to this episode. We try to do it uh, somewhere in the middle of the season and then at the end of the season, but uh, call it Craig's Council, where we get scouting tips and some story time for you. And, uh, you know, obviously big news in the NHL today uh, with the uh, Tim Peel situation uh, getting fired for what he said on a on a hot mic. And, and a question came in uh, early morning about that, saying, did you ever think a referee was throwing a game as a GM? And, and what might have happened out of it, um, if if it in, indeed happened,
0: every general manager and coach in the history of the league, when their team didn't get a call for them, felt that the referee was against them. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's get that straight, okay? Like, I mean, that's just the nature. You, you know, the referee sits there; he's supposed to be neutral and 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 everything that does it. And, and they are Dean. They are Dean referees aren't throwing the games at all the referees are doing exactly what the what, what the league asked them to do you know if, if you consider about the uh, uh, you know the calls that started to happen a few seasons ago a very few short seasons ago with the slashes and the hooking on the hands right so yep. it, it, wh- why was it any different then than it is now well, I'll tell you why it became different because the GMs decided it needed to be different because who has the pop more often than not? Oh, it's the skilled players. Well, now who was becoming victim to those slashes and potential broken fingers? We saw a whole bunch of it. So the GMs started to go, wait a second, we can't have this. We can't have these types of, so we got to call them now. So they told the officials, we got to call this because they were worried about losing their star players, right? The, the, the officials do not go out with their own idea about what is a penalty, what isn't a penalty. Referees, Tim Peel, refereed over 1,300 games in national hockey. He's he's refereed the Olympics, Stanley Cup playoffs, okay? And, you know, you don't do that for that long if you're not good. And you certainly don't do it that long if you don't have integrity. And, And at the end of the day, the referees go out and not only do they have to look at the understand, you know, as the play is unfolding. Okay. That's a penalty, interpret it and everything that goes with it. You know, they also have to, you know, the idea that the referee is not managing the game, and I'm not talking about managing it by the score of the game or controlling the game. You know, it's a fast game. It's a physical game. The referees so often of the time are the ones out on the ice. Hey, you know what? Be careful. You know what? Uh, an extra step there and i would have had to call charging you know a, a vast majority of cases the referees serve as teachers you know and and you know in in the moment uh guides hey don't do that you know be careful with that you know you're gonna have your t you're gonna be in jeopardy there you know don't you know line change hey you know what? I saw what you did there. You were mighty close to getting too many men on the ice penalty. Well, you, you, a referee can sit down and be quiet and not say anything, but th- their job is more than just enforcing the rules and calling what they see as a penalty and interpreting the rule book. It is managing and controlling the game to to a great extent, and the players and the and the emotions and competitive spirit that is involved in it. So you know, uh, you know, Tim Peel uh, uh, on a microphone. You know is caught speaking something and everything and and now there's all this talk about oh boy the, the, the officiating system is broken. Oh, everybody has an answer how to fix it. Hey, listen, I can tell you one thing. The NHL is always open to ideas on how to be better. So for everybody out there that has a really good idea and thinks that their idea is brilliant in terms of fixing what they see as a problem. Please send your please send your emails and your letters to the NHL offices in New York City or to the Toronto and and, and address it to Gary Bettman or Bill Daly or Colin Campbell, George Peros, because trust me, they want to be at their very best. So do that. and, And is there always room to improve? Yeah, there always is room to improve. But bottom line is these officials are the best in the world do they make mistakes now and again yeah they do just like players make mistakes but at the end of the day their job of uh of interpreting the rules calling penalties managing the game you know trying to keep uh you know emotions in check w- w- without inhibiting the players it's instrumental in the excitement of the game and you know if you want to keep, blame the general managers who are always caught up in this, and, and, and let me be very clear, in, the, in this stupid argument that like, oh, we have six penalties, they only had two. Well, you earned six, they only earned two. It doesn't have to be 6-6 six, six at the end of the game. And, you know, the next penalty doesn't have to go on the team that, uh, that has had the benefit of four. The next penalty goes to the team that has the next infraction. End of story. But let me just tell you this, that starts right at the GM level.
1: Indeed. All right, this next question comes from the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League, and a person wanted to know who some of the top NCAA free agents might be this year.
0: Wow. Well, that's a, I mean, there's a number. One, we've already seen a couple of signings. We saw, you know, Josh Gunn uh, from Clarkson. I mean, he has signed, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers just signed a, a, another free agent. I mean, when you, when, when you look at it, Dean, and you, and, and you look, so, so let me preface it this way, okay? I, I want to preface it this way first, is that number one is that uh, I believe that NHL teams signing NHL free agents is always, always a good idea. Always a good idea. It,
1: it,
0: you know, when you look at uh, players that are older, that have been able to develop and you know move along, you're adding a player that's a little bit older. Uh, a little bit more ready to come in and do the things that, uh, that that you're looking for uh, with respect to contributing to your team. And you only have so many draft picks, right? So when you only have so many draft picks, you know, all you're trying to do is, is add to your, to your prospect pool, trying to help, you know, if they can make it. So I never, ever, ever see a downside uh, with respect to, uh, uh, uh signing college free agents ever I, I never have i never will and i think it's important to to keep that in mind and, and and understand that uh you know when you are uh when you are looking at uh at college free agents that that's really important to look at now I, last year you know there was a lot of talk about jordan uh Kawaguchi from north dakota he didn't sign you know there's always going to be players that sign or don't sign. So if, if you're looking at a few of the players that, you know, certainly are going to be at the top of the list, I don't think you have to look Alex Steeves with Notre Dame. You know, and these are undrafted players. Keep in mind, they teams have played people have watched these players play for a long time. So it's not like, you know, you're you're looking at players and, and you haven't seen them. You, you've just seen an advancement. Ty Pelton Bice uh, with with Wisconsin. Uh, another player that certainly you know mer- merits a, a lot of consideration and, and interest. And, and to me, if they do want to sign, they will sign. And you know, you start to you start to go down the list. You start to look at goaltenders. Like you know, we've talked about Dryden McKay at at, at uh, Minnesota mm-hmm. State. I mean, all he does is shut out everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. And 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 I'll be straightforward. I don't know if these players are going to be nhl players or they're or they're not i just know that there's no downside zero downside to drafting these types of players i i just i know there isn't so when you start to look at the ability to 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 add players and whatnot i mean you have to some of the defensemen i mean there's no question that matt Kierstead at north dakota has drummed up tons of interest uh from nhl teams And, and 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 that's understandable I mean, he, he, he's a good player that's put up lots of points and much like Connor Mackey last year, who signed with the Calgary Flames, he, he's going to get a lot, a lot of interest. So, you know, there, there's always going to be a lot, a number of them that draw a lot of interest. Are all of them going to play? No, very few of them are going to play but there's no downside to adding these players to your group. That's just a few of the names that, that, that I mentioned. I mean, uh, you know, Strauss Mann, a goaltender at Michigan. I mean, he, he, he could be a player, but there's so many of them that, that draw interest from, for, from NHL teams and rightfully so. And I think that as you move along, you're gonna see some of them. Look at Alex Iofalo. Alex Iofalo was a player that signed a few years back uh, with the LA Kings. And, you know, no downside. And, and where's he at now? He's a good player for the LA mm-hmm. Kings, right? Like mm-hmm. a really, really good player. I think Connor Mackey's gonna be a good player for the uh, Calgary Flames. You know, you start to look at, uh, you know, d- different types of college free agents. Jimmy Vesey, he was a much sought off college free agent. He's been an okay NHL player, but mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with pursuing him vigorously and going after him and being excited about uh, getting him. And, you know, when you when you look at at the different times, and Jimmy was a Hobie Baker winner, right? He was a Hobie Baker winner. And he's not as good a player as Alex I follow. So it gives you kind of a perspective on, you know, you know, some of the players, all of them warrant consideration. Some of them are gonna have better careers uh, in the NHL than others, but I can tell you what, it's not gonna be very many that are gonna end up in the NHL, just like a junior draft or an NHL draft or any, even the European free agents are the same deep. And yeah. but zero zero downside to signing them. There's only upside in signing these guys.
1: Yeah, some of them might end up in the uh, in your minor league system. Some of them might yeah. uh, step in and, and play. You just never know. And 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 kind of leads us to our our next question about this year's draft. And you know, some of those free agents might play in the NHL. But this question is asking about this year's draft. Uh, the 2021 draft, uh, are there some players that you think will be able to step in and play right away? And this is another question that came in from the UFHL. So we're giving away some of our strategy here a little bit, Craig, but that's okay. We're going to share to help grow this platform. But what do you think? Are there guys from this year's draft that you think might be able to play next year?
0: I don't see a one. I don't. There, there's not one player for the 2021 draft that I can say – you know what? I think that guy's ready to play in the NHL, or could play in the NHL. You know, you look at look at Alexi Lafreniere. He he mm-hmm. had completely exhausted, uh, you know, a- anything he could accomplish at the junior level. And I say that with the greatest respect. And you know what? He he he's he's having his growing pains as a rookie in the NHL. Uh, you you look at uh, uh, the previous year with Jack Hughes and Kapil Kako and Kirby Doc, right? Like I mean they played but you couldn't call them contributors kirby came back after the pause and came in so when i look at this year's draft and okay n- name the names: so owen power and carson lambos and you know dylan gunther and brent clark like i, I, I maddie benears i'm just naming a few of them okay mm-hmm. i'm not naming them all i don't see a one that can come and play in the nhl next year does that mean i'm right no But it means that my belief in watching these players, knowing what the demands of the NHL are, also knowing that what you're looking at in terms of progression with other players that haven't played for a year that might get an opportunity from the 2020 draft and the 2019 draft, I don't see one player, not one.
1: Well, and there's a big difference between playing in the NHL and being effective. You said it a lot. It's not a developmental league. So, you know, any one of these guys could play. They're allowed to play. They're allowed to put on their skates and a jersey if the team decides. But is that the right choice for their development? Because, uh, you know, we've seen it a lot of times. Uh, Young players, rookies, they they drown in that ocean of the NHL with so much more experienced guys.
0: So well said, Dean. And, 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 you know, I... There's some players that I use examples of and you know, people say, why are you picking? I said, I'm not picking on them at all. I mean, I, what I'm trying to do is, is illustrate the point mm-hmm. that you know what you're doing and, and what you've done is great and, and potential is a, is a wonderful thing to, to hang your hat on. But if you're not ready to play in the National Hockey League, and I, I'm talking about ready, it will chew you up and spit you out like nothing. Cause it's a league, like it's the best league on the planet with the best players and you know, it's territorial when I say, you know, players aren't ready to give up their spots. They're not ready to go, oh, look at this great first round pick. Why don't you have my spot here? You know, you're so wonderful here. Take it from me, right? No, it's a territorial competitive league. So I, I tell players this all the time. If you're not ready and you're not ready to move on, like like, and you haven't dominated the levels below you, you know, you, you best be really careful about, about doing that. I'll give you an example i've been asked a lot about jake sanderson mm-hmm. a lot about jake sanderson who was the fifth overall pick in the 2020 draft by ottawa oh do you think he can go play well define playing you know how i define playing mm-hmm. okay you can put on an nhl jersey and you can be in the lineup I, I, I define it by are you contributing are you contributing to the team so that's how i define it to be clear so i don't think jake sanderson's ready to play in the nhl but The thing is, as I say, he hasn't dominated college hockey yet. So let me get, he's going to, he's going to move from college hockey to the NHL. He hasn't dominated college hockey. So why not take the path of Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes? They went back and played their their sophomore seasons in college. They came to the NHL ready to contribute and they're never going to look back. So ask yourself the question. Do you you wanna dominate and be ready to to come into the NHL not looking back? Or do you wanna come into the NHL not having dominated and it's just gonna be a whole lot of growing pains and some of those growing pains are are gonna result in you perhaps not making it. That's the simple point I'm gonna make. And I love Curtis Lazar as a person. There's no better, Curtis Lazar is an example and Tyson Joseph is an example. And the NHL teams put them in those spots players you know decided to come and go tyson jose real top end player i watched tyson since he was 15 years old goes along a path you know after one year at north dakota that he didn't come close to dominated he's going to go to the nhl tyson jose is in a struggle to find a place in the nhl his teammate at north dakota brock besser went back for his second year has he looked back
1: (laughs) Not at all. No,
0: he hasn't looked back. And trust me, those examples, I have seen too many players leave too soon. I have never seen a player stay too long.
1: Indeed. Well said. Uh, This is a scouting question. Now we've talked a lot about uh, how you use video after games to go back and watch, but what about the person that can't get to the game? They're watching it on TV or they're watching it online on the the new CHL package. Is there something that they should be looking for? It's you're at the mercy of the camera angles, but do you just watch the game and, and just pick out things or do you watch for specific things when you're only watching on video?
0: I think you can do both, uh, Dean, and and so here's the benefit of watching the game on on video or on TV or however you're going to uh, uh, watch it is that the camera follows the puck, right? So who usually has the puck? usually the good players right Mm. so so the the camera works doing uh, a a lot of the work for you as a scout right because you 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 just follow along and you see the guy with the puck and so that's one element of watching the game and seeing who keeps showing up on your screen and keeps showing up in the thick of in the thick of the game and you know the broadcast you know can't capture everything but as you're watching those players I think number one understanding what you can and, and, and what may be limiting to a certain extent when you're watching video have to be taken into consideration, but then what you're watching and, and, and I think this is really, really important in any scouting live or on video is that what translates to the NHL and you know, you have to have quick hands. You have to be able to make decisions quickly and that's with and without the puck So if you see a player going down on a two on one and he has the puck and and the other player Uh, doesn't get doesn't get open right you you go okay i gotta watch that again does that player understand how to get open and and, and leave a passing lane so that they can get the shot off that player might have a great shot but if he doesn't get open to get the puck for that shot the shot doesn't matter because in the in in the nhl those things get closed off really quickly so you got to be thinking all the time you know you're skating how, how do you get closed off in your skating are you able to put defenders back on their heels do, do you see a defender kind of back off a little bit uh because a player's speed or quickness is really threatening those are those are a few examples uh that i have and 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 one thing that i thought about here and it, it, it it's just come right back into my mind here D, uh, dean is that I think that we should do something where, where where I do an outline about like you know types of players what are some of the qualities those types of players need what type of skills are there because how you're watching a certain player so if you're watching a defensive defenseman and and you I think type of player you better know what what, what a player type is you better know because a player type they're not all the different so a defensive defenseman or a or a Let's call him a second pair defense, not somebody that's not going to contribute offense, right? But the puck skills for a defenseman that's going to be that type are very different than a defenseman you're projecting to be on the power play. So the ability to pass the puck and, and, and make an outlet pass from your defensive zone to, to exit the zone is very different than making a pass in the offensive zone under sticks and through skates to create a scoring opportunity. So if you're just looking at skating and go, well, that guy's a great skater and, and he'll be a great offensive player, they're different skills. And, 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 and the skating of a, of a defensive type defenseman, a Mark Edward Vlasic, as opposed to an Eric Carlson, Completely different. It doesn't mean that skating isn't important, but Mark Edward Vlasic's skating is used to to close space and to get up on an opponent and and to be able to pivot and and be agile in defending the rush and being able to beat pressure in the defensive zone. And and Eric Carlson has to use some of those skills, but Eric Carlson's ability is to recognize quickly, oh, I can get into the transition. I can shake a guy with my agility in the offensive zone to create an opening on, on a shooting lane or a passing lane very very different skills of agility and those are the things that you have to recognize when you're looking when you're when you're looking at okay what type of player is this and what skills are 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 required and i think that uh, if, we, if we put something together that's something we could absolutely share to just try to get because i just give a few little examples but mm-hmm. i think to try to be a little a more complete and thorough is something we should look at doing
1: Indeed, we'll uh, we'll put that together for a future episode. I'm excited about it already. Uh, I'm excited about the answer to this one too, because uh, I always love this. But uh, somebody wanted to know who's the who's one of like the funniest pre-draft interview. You know, you get these kids in that are you know 17 years old. I'd imagine some of them are really shy, but there's probably some pretty outgoing ones that you had a chance to interview over the years.
0: Oh, well, well there, there always is, and you know, one of the things that I find the players are they are such they they're so goal oriented and they're so committed to being the best they can be and everything that goes with it and you know so i always felt that you always try to put the players at ease you, you know I, if you're going to go in and try to grill the players you know it's not fair and 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 if you're gonna to try to do it in a room where there's 12 of you and one of them, you, you're just ganging up on them. You know, my feeling has always been, you know, you're trying to understand, you're trying to help the player understand, okay, if we draft you, here's what you can expect, here's what you're going to do, Here's here's how some of the, here's what you can expect with us. You know, we would ask players, you know, how do you see your game? Here's how we see your game. Those types of things, like I and if there was a question that had arisen, we'd always want to ask the player, you know, hey, listen, you know, we, we we want to ask you this because this is something we want to hear you you know, your response to it. And it wasn't about trying to trick the players or back up the players or see how firm their handshake is. It's to me, all that stuff is a bunch of garbage. And we also went and spent time in, 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 with, with the families. We went into the homes and we wanted to answer the parents' questions and, and, and all the different things that, that, that they had with respect to their, to, to, to their aspiring hockey player. So those are the things that i always thought were a a lot a lot of fun and and really enjoyable and you know and we used to go into we used to spend a day or a day and a half with the players and their family we narrowed it down we couldn't do it with 60 kids but Mm -hmm. we could do it with a defined group at different points in the draft to really get a get a comfort level so there's two 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 stories that really for me that i that i always really enjoy telling and they're and they're a lot of fun uh, the first one is with Todd Harvey, and uh, he, he lived on, uh, he lived just outside of Toronto or in Cambridge, and uh, James Duthie in his book, Beauties, has this story in there. So I went there, I mean, Todd Harvey, we, I mean, he was one of the players in the 1993 draft, we're going there, so we go in and uh, I go into the, house, into the home, and they, they have a little kind of hobby farm. Right, they have a little hobby farm outside of Cambridge, and so we go in and we're, we're we're having we're meeting we're having lunch and you hear this cow in in distress. Well, it was a it was a cow about to birth a calf, right? So so Todd's mother Denise is outside and go, goes outside and she's tending to the calf, and so now it's Todd and and Todd's da, dad Doug, and so we're chatting and all of a sudden Denise calls us out. So this is May. Keep in mind, I got sandals on, a pair of white shorts, and 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 a golf shirt on. So it's casual, it's comfortable, right? So uh, Denise calls us out. Come on out here, right? Like Todd, I need your help. You know the the the. The, the mother's gonna birth the calf, right? So we get right out there, and so I'm standing there, I kind of follow Todd out, right? And I'm standing there, so Todd's helping his mother. I'm standing there, so Todd goes, get over here. So I get right into the pit, he goes, you gotta grab onto the legs, onto the calf's legs, right? So, boom, we pull, we, we help the mother birth, we get the calf out, I fall straight back into a pile of mud. And, you know, it was, it was such a, it's one of those things, that you, I mean, it just happened, right? But like it was one of those things that to this day, to this day, okay, it's still a story that, we, that Todd and I laugh about, uh, to, you know, the family laughs about, James Duthie had a good laugh about it, right? Like, you know, th- those experiences of being right into the home and that and 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 what they do, are, are is really a lot of loss. So you know when you when you think about those types of moments, like those are they're unique, right? But and let me tell you, the white shorts never made it. I mean, I don't know what I did with them. You know, they were gone anyway. So the other one is in the nineteen ninety seven draft. We we spent a lot of time with Brendan Morrow, and so w- we always told the players. You know, we wouldn't be meeting with you and spending this amount of time with you if we didn't if we didn't think that you were a player that could help us, and we didn't we didn't like you. But we cannot make any guarantees to you. We don't know uh, if we're going to draft you. We're not going to tell you we're going to draft you because there's only one team that can tell you that they for sure can draft you, and that's a team picking first. Mm-hmm. So we lay it out for them, and we tell them, and you know, and then we go through the whole exercise of. You know, if, if we draft you, here's what you can expect and everything. And one of the things we, we told the players, junior players, to come into training camp for seven days. That's six, seven days. That's it. You're going to get your ticket. It's going to be a return ticket. And you're going to start your season in, in, in the uh, in back where, where, where you're going to spend your season. You're not going to play an exhibition game. You might have teammates that play an exhibition game. We don't care. We don't care what other teams are doing. This is what we're gonna do. This is how we're gonna set you up. And he was like, okay, everything's great. So now two things come out of that. So we ended up drafting Brendan, I don't know, 26, 27, somewhere in that area of the draft. I don't have it uh, off the top of my head exactly. So we draft him, and uh, you know, Brendan comes down to the stage. We're standing on the stage with him, and Brendan's angry, and it's and it's, it, it's noticeably angry. And it's kind of like what? What have we? What have I missed here? Right? Like so. You know, you do the old smile, smile into the camera, jersey. You know. And so as we're walking off the stage, right? I go something wrong. You know, oh, I just I so. So I, I just stop him. I go seriously, Brandon. Like, what's wrong here? Like like we got a problem like we just drafted you and you looked like you was disappointed as as, as anybody i've ever seen come up to the state he goes oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry I, that's not the way i wanted to be he goes but two teams that were picking ahead of you uh and they had two picks in that draft uh, you can go back to look at it i'll tell you who they are chicago and uh carolina brendan said they both told them that they were going to draft them they both told them that they were going to draft them and he said i'm sitting there and they didn't draft me so i said well like we told you we can't control what other teams do he goes i know i'm just you know i'm I'm thrilled to be here and his whole mood changed so then now so that we cleared that up pretty quick and you know we love brendan so now we come to training camp so he uh we're going to meet with him after he spent six or seven days he's going back to portland they have a great team uh i mean they ended up winning the memorial cup that following season And so we're going to sit with Brandon, talking to him about, you know, what, what, you know, what we're going to do, do some things with goal setting and whatnot. He goes, he goes, I got to tell you, he goes, you guys sure are consistent. You told me (laughs) back in May I was going to get a return ticket. I said, you wait, I'm coming to training camp and I'm going to show you I'm not going back to junior. And we said, yeah, that's the attitude we want. But he goes, he goes, well, he goes, you laid it right. I said, that's all we can do. And we're going to do everything we can to help you be the best player you can be. One of the things we always did with the junior players, after we sent them back, we made sure we showed up in the first week or first 10 days of their season to let them know, like, you know, you're back here, but we're mm-hmm. here to, to work with you and everything. So those are two of my stories about, uh, about, you know, the one's just a great story that just happened. And the other one with Brendan is about, Lay out what you're going to – not everybody wants to hear exactly, but at least they know where they stand, and at least they know what you're going to do when you're consistent. Brendan obviously had a really good career, won a gold medal at the Olympics in 2010, was a captain of the Dallas Stars, had a terrific NHL career. And, you know, I I, I mean, obviously he, he, he did everything he needed to do to be a good NHL player, and all we needed to do was just help him along and guide him along and be, be honest with him.
1: Awesome. Okay. This one uh, wants to know uh, about a story at the draft table uh, from your scouting days, your GM, uh, you know, people always would love, you know, we see in the movies about, you know, with the draft and the conversations, but you know, what is the draft table really like?
0: Well, the draft table is always very interesting because there's this, there's this buildup. There's this buildup of anticipation. There's this buildup of, of, excitement about uh, players you, uh, you you're looking to draft, and players you think you can get, and hoping that you get in the draft. And you have to be realistic. If you're picking twentieth, you're not going to uh, you're not going to get a, a player that's that's rated in the top five or whatnot. But so you, you go into that and, and and you work and and, and you, my belief, and, and we practice this, is that you know what we're going to the draft prepared. We're going to the draft, knowing what what we want to do. We'll we'll, we'll consider different options about uh, about uh, you know if you're going to trade a pick or whatnot. But all in all, you got to be ready to go. And 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 we were. There was none of this. Uh, we we never had an argument at the table ever. You know why? Because we it wasn't allowed. Our, our discussions and on our debates began in August or September of the previous year. And we had weekly conference calls, and then we had meetings. And then by the time we got to uh, our final list, we we didn't have to argue, bang our fists or everything. We'd already had those discussions, and we had the benefit of watching on a regular basis, week in, week out with the calls. What did you see? What do you think? How about this player? What about that player? Where does he fit on the list? And our list was was always ongoing. We didn't make a list at midterm and then go and readjust it. Our list was was a weekly list that we worked on all the time, so we never went into the draft. You know, you hear about this so arguments, timeouts, whatnot. No, never. So, when you ask me about draft table, uh, you know, I, I I I think that the 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 one that I always tell, and it's uh, it's one of the it's one of my great disappointments because. It was uh, it was a it was it was a great mistake by me. It was a great mistake by me. So it was the 1998 NHL draft, and during that year, there was two players playing in Quebec: Eric Schwinard, who ended up being drafted by the uh, uh, Montreal Canadiens, and Simo Gagne, who ended up being drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. So, if, if people may not recall, but the Colorado Avalanche had four first-round draft picks that year because. Pierre Lacroix, the very crafty and outstanding uh, GM and, you know, may his soul rest in peace, of the, of the Colorado Avalanche, was trying to angle towards Le Cavalier, who was the first overall pick that year. And, you know, he had four first-round picks. So I give you that just as a little bit of background to where I'm going. So about halfway through the year, I mean, we, when I say we loved Simo Gagne, that would be understating it. Everything about his game we, we thought was fantastic and outstanding, and so we made a decision that we were never going to go watch him play in Quebec or anything any place convenient down the stretch. If we we're going to go watch him, we'd go watch him in Val d'Or or Ruanda Rando or or like where <laughs> or, you know where nobody else would 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 venture for the most part because we didn't want anybody to know how, how much we liked him, and so you know we were trying to be undercover we were trying to be covert instead of overt anyway so we go through all the time same thing we go and spend lots of time with Simo. We, we this is the guy we really legitimately think we have a we we're gonna get him at our pick and i forget again it was 26 27 somewhere in there so now the draft unfolds so bob Ganey, our general manager he knows how much we like Simo gagne so now there's a lot of maneuvering going on because Colorado doesn't have the first pick, and now they're trying to move picks along. So we're seeing a player, we're seeing picks. So Bob says to us, he goes, hey, listen, he goes, I can trade up in, I don't know, 15 or 16 or something. He goes, what do you guys think? And we can get we can get the Garnier kid. And we, <laughs> come on, like, don't not, not even worry. We're going to get him at 20, whatever we're picking. That. <laughs> so it comes back again. Another call comes in, and Bob says, you know what? we can trade up to get this player, you know, like, why do we want to wait? Why do we want to wait to get Simo Gagne? You guys love him. And like, you know, like, uh, like, you know, let's just do it. (laughs) Bob, like, we got this guy in the bag, don't even worry about it. Like, you know, we're not saying it in those ways, but we're just kind of dismissing Bob. He gives us, actually, he gives us another go at it. There's a third go at it to trade up. And we just dismiss it because now we're into like pick 18, 19, somewhere around there. And 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 so our, our confidence that we're going to get them where we're picking just continuously has, has magnified to the point where we're harming ourselves. <laughs> so the Philadelphia Flyers draft Simo Gagne. Okay, they draft Simo Gagne. Dean, I just go like this. I just go like this. And I just... Drop my head, and and I sit there, and I, I, what's in my head? Simon Nole, who was the head scout, the chief scout, long time with the Philadelphia Flyers, and an excellent scout. Well, guess what? They were doing the same thing we had done. Hmm. They, they had laid in the weeds. They had done everything covertly. And Simon had played with Simon Olay had played with Simon Gagne's father and knew the family exceptionally well. But he wasn't telling anybody, right? So here we are. Here we are right? Sitting here with an opportunity to get the guy exactly that we wanted. And there we sit. And you know what? Uh, you know, Bob Gainey. He, he, he never said, I told you or whatever thing. We carried on and, 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 and carried forth. But it was a great lesson in not being too overconfident and, 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 and recognizing that there's other people that are really smart around you. And that are trying to do things to, to maximize their potential at the draft table. It, it, it was a great lesson for me uh, to not be, uh, you know, that arrogant in terms of you thinking you're the only one that knows. And, you know, we missed out on a really good player that we could have. It's one thing to miss out on a player when you, uh, the, the team picks them and you just don't get them. But we, uh, uh, we missed out on a player that we could have had that we loved because of because of you know my overconfidence and quite frankly an arrogance that was really stupid
1: well that's a that's a brilliant story uh and uh bravo for telling it Uh, on the ultimate franchise fantasy sports hotline that's where craig joins us the scouting is a huge part of the platform and the lifeblood of the franchises in the ufhl any free agent goes through a scout to get in the game where you own the game and all the prospects go through the scouts and then are auctioned off or sold to franchises. start putting your scouting talent to good use, become an independent scout or form a partnership with an existing franchise. Reach out for more information at UFHL or UFH League on twitter and uh, that brings us back to a question about the 2021 draft and uh, this came in from uh, the ufhl as well and uh, basically they want to know you know what has happened to attu ratty who was number one at the start of the season and i don't know maybe craig this is you know th- this isn't doesn't happen all the time but you know this does happen where guys are ranked highly at one point and then they just drop uh, for whatever reasons uh, what do you think it is for ratty this year
0: so, so I asked the question this way so and, and it doesn't mean that uh, is it so here's a young here's a young player. Okay, he, he, he's a he's a late birthday. So by that he's born after September 15th of uh, 2002, or he would have gone to last year's draft. So we're now evaluating him on playing in the SM league or the pro league in uh, in Finland. And quite frankly, you know, as, as, as good of a talent as I think that Aturadi is, he, he might He's probably he, well, he's not ready to excel in that league, right? But here we are evaluating him based on our own uh, uh, projections and what we think is there. Just because he's not performing at that level in the league doesn't mean he's still not a really good player.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: how many, like if you think about other players in the draft, like how would Owen Power, who's got a late birthday, how would he be doing in the SM League? How would Matthew Beniers be doing in the SM League? You know, he he's a late birthday, right? So like you start to try to put the how I mean we know how how well William Eklund is doing in the Swedish league, and he's a late birthday. So, you know, everybody's different. And and so when I go back to how do you assess players, I look at Atu and I say, Okay, so Atu skates really well. He's got speed, quickness, agility. He's got power. He's got leverage. He attacks into in the middle of the ice. I think he can make plays. I think he's a really good player, personally. Okay? okay. It, 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 is he the best player in this draft? No. I don't think so i think that at one point i thought they very well could challenge for one but no i don't, but but that's also speaks to other players showing you more you know you have more of a you have more of a body of work on these other players and i think that becomes significant dean and so it's it, it it's a cautionary tale just because he hasn't performed at at, at a top notch level in, in the SM Liga or maybe you know for whatever reason he didn't play in the in the World Junior tournament whatever those reasons are you know doesn't mean he's not a good player it doesn't mean that that Finland made the wrong choice or wrong decisions in not selecting him to their team and we you have to temper that go continue to go back and watch what the player does what type of player you see him as be straightforward with it he might not be as good as to be able to challenge for the first overall spot But it doesn't mean he can't be a really good player in the National Hockey League, which is exactly what I think he can be, because the attributes that he has, the talents and skills that he has, I think they're going to come to the forefront, and I think that they'll be there. I just don't think he's been quite ready to do that from a maturation point of view at this point in time.
1: Yeah, and it, you're right. It doesn't mean he's not going to be a great player or, or a very good player. Uh, but guys are better um, than other players. That that certain you see it all the time yeah. in minor hockey. The biggest kid is better, and then everybody else sort of catches up a little bit. And it's it's just a uh, you know credit to everybody else. And and you know guys age uh, and 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 get experienced as they go. So it'll it'll be interesting. It all will come out uh, this summer, and we'll find out. And I want to wrap up with this one. And I wanted to say appreciate your time and 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 coming up with some great stories so this is a fun one uh, they want to know what your favorite junior and college arena is past or present i'm pretty sure i know your college arena but uh give us uh, maybe some of your favorite arenas that you like to watch hockey in at the at the junior and college level
0: well, okay so what's my favorite college rink
1: it's it's michigan
0: it's Joe nice arena. There's no right. question about it. Yes. I lived in Ann Arbor for twelve years. I had season tickets there, and I, I you know, I saw some fantastic games in there. And you know, the the, the spirit of of the. Uh, uh, the fan base and the student body. And, you know, they have a group in there now called the Children of Yost, who, who, who are as good a, a student body cheering section as any in, in, in college sports. So, you know, to be able to go into such a venerable uh, building and to watch some of the great hockey players I've watched in those building, in that building, it, it is my favorite. And uh, there's other great arenas in college hockey, but I'm not, you know, and people, but that that is my favorite arena, uh, no question about it. Junior hockey, here's the way I feel about junior hockey rinks, you know, you know, season to season, you're going to have, you know, uh, teams that are better than other teams. And and so the environment creates such a such a buzz, you know, when you got good teams playing, you got good young players playing. So those environments are, are widespread across, uh, across Canada, and, and the US and the CHL. So, you know, I, I, I You know, this isn't a knock against uh, uh, Edmonton Oil Kings or the Calgary Hitmen. You know, those aren't arenas that really have any appeal for me. I don't care how good the teams are. They just don't have any appeal for me. Mm -hmm. But when you can go in to Halifax and you can go watch a game with top-end talent, you know, I I remember going into Bay Como a couple years back and, you know, McKinnon and Drouin, and Kali, I mean, they were all playing. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so I was in Bay Como, it was February of their draft year, and it was about minus 35. Clear blue skies, Bay Como's, and I remember getting in there early in the morning because of how the flight came in, and the city was a buzz, just absolutely a buzz with this whole idea of Halifax is coming in, and you couldn't have squeezed another person into the you go into the rink, and everybody, it's like bay got, Bay-Komo was a good team. And I think they outshot Halifax something like 17 or 18 to 1 in the first period. And Zach Bukali stood on his head. And ultimately, Halifax won the game. But to be in those types of environments and to see those types of games, those types of players, to me, those are the ricks I remember being in Swift Current a few years ago. When, uh, when when Jay Merkley and Nick Merkley were playing against one another. Jay was playing for uh, Swift Current and Nick was coming in with Kelowna. And uh, mom and dad, who are from Calgary, they're they're there with the split jersey, Merkley, half Swift Current, half uh, Kelowna. So, you know, parents going to see their kids and, and, and that whole atmosphere of junior hockey, we're, we're, it's a big game. And 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 you wanna see those players and, and players wanna you know see how they measure up. In college hockey in the United States, it, it, it's more about oh it's Michigan, Wisconsin, it's B U B C, right? It becomes more and and, and the, the you know the alumni get involved you know you don't see alumni involved in junior hockey it it is about the here and now and it is about the communities and everything so I I can tell you this I I don't think I have a favorite rink in in, in the CHL I just know that the moments that I go into those rinks and I say to myself this is the right place to be this night and you know you're going to see a good game and the fans are excited and the players and the parents and, and, and you leave there going that was a great night. And, and and that's how I feel about going into the junior ranks. And there's and, and keep in mind, Dean, you know this as well as anybody. The communities that support junior hockey, mm-hmm. it, it, it's much about it's as much about going into the community and eating dinner. Uh, like at one of your favorite haunts in brandon right like you know or or going to to kamloops and eating at your favorite place or, or going to quebec city or victoriaville whenever i go to Victor- victoriaville i go to and I, I get putin <laughs> hey. right so it doesn't it doesn't matter wh- where i go like you know there's always that part of it too oh you're here for the game tonight Everybody knows in the community, and and that makes it really exciting. And you, you know that to me is is the thrill of, uh, of this, of the CHL and the different ranks you're in.
1: Yeah, you know, I, like you're right. The communities are the lifeblood. I grew up in Brandon oh. with the Wee Kings; they were the big thing. And you know, some of that gets lost in the bigger cities, but there is still strong support in those uh, big cities. And and you know, I wish. I just wish all across Canada, we cared about junior hockey as much as Americans care about college football and college hockey. I mean, you know, I went to a game at Ralph Engelstead, which is, you know, probably the nicest rink in college hockey as oh, far yeah. as uh, of, of updates and things. It was just amazing to see the spirit. And, you know, we have that spirit in the communities where there are teams. I just wish the rest of Canada could, could grab onto the CHL, like college football. Like our, the CHL should be as big as college football. It's the kind of the same level in college hockey and I, I wish more of that happened in Canada, as as you know, I'm I'm you know addicted to it, as they might say.
0: Yeah, well, that's good, and, and that's uh, that's all good. But you know, one of the things when I talk about it, it it's because of the alumni involvement. Right, and, mm-hmm. and, and the way the U.S. colleges engage their alumni across multiple sports, right? And junior hockey doesn't have that same opportunity. It really is about kids 20 and under. Yeah, they look back and like you go London Knights while Daryl Sittler played there and Corey Perry and Patrick Kane. But it really is about the here and now. You don't see Patrick Kane coming back. There's there's not an alumni like per se, like, you know, the University of Michigan alumni and uh, Boston University alumni and Harvard alumni, I mean, they're alumni big big part of the atmosphere you go to the beanpot tournament in boston which is really the boston city championship with bu boston college northeastern and harvard i mean like that's an unbelievable environment you know one thing you didn't ask me about the minnesota state high school hockey tournament Oh. it's one of the it, it, it's bucket listing and i know that when all those teams come down in, in division one and division two from that from, there's eight sections in minnesota so you have you know from from from, from the division two you got eight teams coming down division one you have 18 but uh, like having been at the state high school tournament it's phenomenal but i i tell people The sectional finals, so you go to section eight or section four, and you're watching what's been rivalry all year long, and and the student body that gets involved, that's as good an environment as I've been in anywhere in the world.
1: I loved when I played high school hockey in Brandon, my final really two years, I loved going to tournaments and games in the States. We would be like, why are there cheerleaders on the ice? Why are there so many people? This is crazy because <laughs> you know, we'd get like family and friends at our games and those games were events. Those are the best tournaments to go to as, as much as I think, uh, you know, Canada produces the best hockey players. I think the U S produces a pretty awesome hockey environment in some places as well.
0: Oh yeah here here totally agree with you right and and it, and it emanates from the you know state basketball championships state yeah. high school i mean i've watched seven on seven football in the state of minnesota because in the smaller areas they can't feel the team of 11 so they play seven on seven it's, I remember watching Matt Niskin and play a high school football game heading into his draft year just because we were in the area and we're on the way to somewhere and went in to right. watch him. I mean, it's phenomenal to think about that. And, you know, Paul Martin, who had a long career in the NHL, he was a wide receiver and a, a really good one. You know, Ke'Andre Miller, who's playing now for the New York Rangers. I mean, he was recruited, uh, you know, he had recruitment interest from NCAA football. You know because he was such a gifted athlete and everything so you know you start to you start to think about uh you, you know the the sporting system and and how it and, and it's different it's different across different world. but dean you've been in the n the, the chl rinks and you go to a, a a big time competitive game between two communities in the western hockey league you you know that that's a great place and you know what harry's ukrainian kitchen <laughs>
1: Exactly. <laughs> Harry's a Canadian Christian. I will say, uh, Tuesday night at the Crush Cam between Regina and Moose Jaw is some of the best entertainment I've ever seen. Not just on the ice, Craig, off the ice as well, with oh. the rivalry going back.
0: Oh, for sure what? I remember one night going in, Les Jackson and I went into uh Prince Albert and uh uh, they, they had a really good team. They were always good. And the Seattle Thunderbirds were coming into town with Peter Nedved. And Peter Nedved was a really, really good player, obviously. So we're there before the game. We we go to, uh, we go and have dinner, uh, you know, there. We go in and meet with Terry Simpson. And Terry, who had had tons of success, says, he goes, well, we're going to see what this Peter Nedved's made out of tonight. Wes and, and I are going, yeah, we will, because, because Prince Albert's a good test for him, right? So after the game, you know, we, we, we're there. We go and see Terry after the game. And Peter Nedved had three goals and an assist and a 4-2 win. He said, "Well, I think we found out what Peter Nedved's made of, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> but there was an excitement because, mm-hmm. you know, here, here's Peter Nedved, this top-rated player coming across the prairie. He's going to go play in Prince Albert. I mean, it was a great atmosphere, and Peter Nedved was, uh, was brilliant, and everybody recognized it
1: indeed uh, Craig this has been so much fun thank you so much for the time and the stories and the scouting tips I know everybody's going to appreciate it and benefit from it and we'll get back into the 2021 draft next week thanks so much man
0: yeah we sure will that, that, we'll have a blast with this and we'll we'll do that scouting idea about just trying to lay out some different types and everything. I, I look forward to it this is a
1: serious message Craig Button joins us on the ultimate franchise fantasy sports hotline become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the ultimate franchise hockey league
0: what'd you talk about mister pay that man his money i'm your huckleberry
1: check out the details at www.uffsports.com it's serious i like it
0: a lot i said we gotta win it
1: uffs you own the game Oh man, I I, I went uh, a little bit longer than I probably should have there with Craig, but it was just such a good conversation and so many questions we didn't get to. Thank you so much uh, to those of you who submitted your questions. We will uh, put them on the list. Some of those questions we asked today were from the last time we did it that we didn't get to get to originally. So we'll we'll do that again with these ones. If your questions uh, didn't get answered uh, in this time around, we'll throw them onto the uh, the list for next show. But uh, there was some fun. I love stories, and I I can. Uh, I can go along with what Craig did about uh, the uh, the Todd Harvey story because I've gone face down in a uh, cow uh, patty-filled uh, corral and it took a long time to get the smell out. So great stories from Craig and great insight as well. Thank you so much to those of you who submitted a question. Uh, thank you to those... Uh, for watching and listening today. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please subscribe. Uh, If you're on YouTube, here on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, just click that bell button and you'll get notified every time uh, there's a new episode of anything here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And if you're listening, uh, please uh, subscribe and leave us a review. And thank you very much for doing just that. So that's going to wrap things up for another episode. We'll get back into the 2021 draft next week. If you'd like to be a part of the show as an advertiser, please send me an email, at gmail.com. And if you ever have any questions for Craig, you can send those there as well. Keep it locked here on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, We have a lot of stuff coming out. UFHL now this Friday, every two weeks, uh, UFFS podcast. Fantasy Hockey Time comes out on Monday morning and two-minute Tuesdays, plus a few other things that we're working on as well. If you'd like to be a part of UFSN, send me an email at ufsn at uffsports.com. Thanks very much to Craig. Thanks very much to you, the listener. Have yourself a great Week in Hockey.